Cassia Person Institute is a research and training institute using collaborative dialogical practices to rebuild lives. Here we see you as a person, not as a diagnosis, that may have defined or limited you in the past. Here we believe in you. The narratives of pain and suffering our clients begin with are transformed into conversations honouring their innate strengths, resilience and hope for the future. This podcast is to inspire and share stories of hope and healing for both people who suffer and the people that are trying to support them. Hi everyone, this is Now I See a Person Institute. Um, Today we are in wonderful conversations with a wonderful, wonderful person um, that we've been working alongside. Um, So yeah, we're gonna talk with them today. (laughs) Hi. Hi. So so one of the things that that we thought that maybe would be helpful um, to us and to the people that listen to this is that maybe you could talk a little bit about how coming with us was different than what you had experienced in the past. Well, it was completely different. Everything about it was different. Um, For starters, you didn't have a magic recipe that, you know, let's put this baby oil and this glitter in the jar and shake it and your problems will go away. You know, all the little artsy stuff that they had, you know, us doing. And also, we were never one time asked about the things that we went through. And I think that was the most important because it was opening our wounds over and over again every time. So were you at all like surprised that we didn't do that or did you just kind of welcome it? I was surprised that we actually got the kids to stay in the room long enough to complete a session. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know because we had gone through so many different therapists that they just didn't want to deal with it anymore Mm -hmm. you know right and and you guys were so different that now even when something exciting happens to one of us you guys are like the first people that you know we want to call right you know it it was so different from, you know, like I said, opening those old wounds week after week, two, three times a week sometimes, you know? Yeah. And, you know, what was really bad was it was, at that time, it was a requirement for us. Right. Right. Because I'm just going to make this kind of blanket statement because you were staying at a place where there's, there were these requirements for for not just yourself, but also anybody's children. And so there were a lot of um, uh, like um, 
rules. I, I was trying to search for another word, but I guess that was the one that kept on popping into my head. And I know that um, for Emma and I, that we were like, oh my goodness, there certainly are a lot of rules in, in exchange for um, being able to be at this place that was supposed to um, help you have freedom in a sense. Right, right. Well, I at that time, I still had, they weren't fully in my custody. So uh -huh. I had no choice but to, you know, cooperate and, you know, with their therapist and, and everything. But when, when I did get, you know, referred to you guys, it, it was totally different because I don't know, you guys are just it's like talking to a couple of friends that I know. I feel comfortable because you're not going to, oh, you shouldn't do this. You guys never tell me what to do, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. that's not important. Right. Right. So, so in the past, kind of, you had people that were trying to help you that would tell you what to do or, or what would happen. Oh yeah. Um, oh, don't do that you're making a mistake, you're making a big mistake, uh, don't move here, you're going to fail, you know, just if, if I didn't do the things their way, then it was completely wrong because I needed help and I didn't know what I was talking about. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. Wow. You know, this is not the first time we've heard someone say that, but each time um, it, 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 it hurts me to hear that because services should not be coerced. You, you should not be forced to think one way or another, and you shouldn't be seen just as like, your symptoms or your past, you know, like right. who doesn't get a fair shake in life to be seen for who well, they are. One of the biggest things is to you guys were individuals and to the other therapists, my kids were just somebody that was running wild and needed to be contained and held down and restrained and put under locked in the room, you know, Man, I sometimes I don't even think about how much that we've actually been through. Yeah. 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 It 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 was a little bit eye-opening for us too to see that those were things that were being done to children. Um, you know, they have a lot of uh, they're, they're trying to pass laws that 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 children can't be restrained in that way and and one of the things I remember at first talking with you and your family that um, I felt was so important to do was to um, let them know that we were interested in them and that we weren't interested in their behaviors you know right. that interested in who they were and what they were interested in and who they are and not that we were 
the behavior police. Right. Well, like I said, it was never a, a magic recipe or a, a magic pill or any of that, you know. And so, um, you know, so I know for our sites, I think this is wonderful that we're having like this shared conversation, but on our side, we were so, um, you know, we didn't worry about you, you know, like we didn't think that, oh, because such and such and such and such, then that meant that you weren't confident to, um, to participate with your children in whatever way that you wanted to. And I think sometimes when, you know, we do a lot of teaching and I think sometimes when, 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 people in our profession find out that, oh, maybe somebody had, you know, a problem, you know, with, with their children not being with them or something that they automatically assume that these people cannot in the future do things differently. Right. Right. And so how was that for you to kind of be pigeonholed into a certain thing? I'm I still catch myself like, um, well, maybe I'm not good enough to do that. Or maybe I shouldn't even try to do that, you know, because I've had these problems in the past or, or like, I'll be having a bad day and I'll be like, you know what, maybe I should be on that medicine, mm -hmm. you know, and it just for, for eight years and doctors put me on different medications and telling me that I had this wrong with me and I had that mental health and this and I needed to try this and take this and try that and do this therapy and that therapy and it was so consuming that I couldn't even focus on who I like the things I liked who I was you know waking up in the morning you know and for them to automatically put me in that category just because they learned one thing about me it's mm -hmm. devastating it's it's really devastating because when you work so hard, not even to prove something to somebody else, but, you know, even to prove it to yourself, when you work so hard and you feel like you're making progress and somebody who doesn't even know you comes in and is like, oh, well, this is the problem and you have this and you need that. And it's like, wait a minute, is this person right? Yeah. 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 You know, it, it might surprise you, but we were talking with somebody actually today and they're much younger than you are. They're in their early 20s. And they were talking about the same thing. They were talking about how um, people made them feel that, that, that they were bipolar because they were happy, right? But they weren't happy all the time because no one's happy all the time. But because that they had this diagnosis of by being bipolar then that's what people saw instead of the natural things that were occurring with them right right I mean I remember 
a time where like I would have to go and test or whatever and just the thought of having to get on that bus and I would completely freak myself out and panic attack and you know what now I drive I'm out driving 100 miles a day I don't and I'm not saying I'm cured but it's not on the forefront of my mind all the time because I learned how to be happy Mm -hmm. right you know right right so let let me ask you a question and then we'll wrap up this recording and we'll do this and do more another day but Mm -hmm. but if you had some advice to your younger self who had just found themselves in the midst of being diagnosed and and the consequences of that diagnosis what advice would you give yourself I don't even know. I don't even know because I, like I said, I don't remember exactly all the things that I've been through. I just, I just dealt with it and did it as I was going, Mm -hmm. you know? So any advice that I would give to myself would just be like, believe in yourself because you can do this, you know? And it's not even that failure isn't an option. It's just, when, when someone tells you for so long that you can't do something, you start to believe it. But, but when you tell yourself the same thing for so long that you can actually do it, then you actually do start to believe in yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so, so life can be good. Right. Things can be turned around in a moment, you know. Yes. Change can happen. Yeah. And so I'm not even mad at the little things either. Yeah. So, you know, I think what we will do is that we're still going to stay on this call, but I think we're going to wrap up the recording for right now. And um, so we will look forward to having more opportunities to be able to learn and to be able to talk. So Emma, so we're going to stop the recordings right now. And thank you so much from Now I See a Person Institute. Thank you. Please honor this person's story by sharing it with others to inspire hope.